Hi, welcome to Sunday School. This is the second part of our discussion around the theme of material world, reducing fashion's footprint, recorded live on the fifth floor of Harvey Nicks in Knightsbridge. In the first part, we discussed what changes the fashion industry is making to become more responsible. And in this second episode, we focus much more on what we can all do as individuals to help achieve that goal. We also offered our audience the chance to put their questions to our guests. If you enjoy the podcast, please do subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And please also rate us and leave us a review. To find out more about the events, you can just search for Harvey Nichols Sunday School. Right, on with part two. Hello and welcome everyone to episode two of our Sunday School, our podcast from Harvey Nichols Fifth Floor. I'm Deborah B. I'm Creative and Marketing Director at Harvey Nicks. We've got a lovely invited audience here, uh, plus we also have my guests who were in the first part of this podcast and in our number one episode. So if you haven't heard that already, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. In this second part, we're going to be talking about specific things that we can all do to try to make small changes in order to make a bigger difference. My guests here on the stage are Cara Smith, who is Vice President of the Glasgow Caledonian New York College and founder of the Fair Fashion Centre, and Tamsin Blanchard, who is a fashion journalist and editor and who's part of the global campaign Fashion Revolution. So thank you both very much for joining us. I think that we're all slightly afraid of the sustainable word because we know that we're not. We're in an industry where we make money out of selling things, so you can't really ever be sustainable. But you can make choices, and I certainly make choices about where I shop that's determined by how principled I think that store or that brand is. Do you find the same thing, Cara? You know, I think um, we have to all use our common sense when we're thinking about sustainable clothing and accessories and so on. Because if you hear a pair of jeans is $5.99 and you think there's fabric, there's stitching, there's somebody that made it. Somebody actually grew that cotton to make those jeans. There's labels on it. Somebody had to transport that thing. And it's hanging in a store on a hanger and in a place that's probably running an advertising campaign. Sensibly, probably, we'd all say wow, maybe something isn't really right there, right, in that picture. So I think it's super important for consumers to realize every dollar you spend has impact. So can we blame fast fashion? Totally not. They're giving fashion and servicing a market maybe that couldn't otherwise afford fashionable clothing, so we can't shout at them. If there's a market for that, that's not actually their fault. It's the consumer's fault, if you will, quote, unquote. But when we are shopping, I think we all have to think about Who's discussing the values that they have? What are they representing? What are the products that they're carefully selecting? If you look here at all the different things that Deb's doing, including having this conversation, it means we're having grown-up conversations between retailers and our customers. That's a place that makes me feel they're aligning their values with what it is that they're selling. So where you shop and what you buy, I think it's important to look at every piece and say, Am I going to like that in 10 minutes or do I just like it now because it's cheap? Is that something I'm going to want to be seen in a few times or is this a churn, burn and chuck item? And the more you just take a second and look at it and think, am I going to still like this over time? Will it wear over time? Am I really going to get value out of it? It helps with your decision making. There's one thing I heard. If you ask yourself, will I wear this 30 times before you buy it, then that's a good rule of thumb of should I or should I not? Mm -hmm. My children are all boys, and I don't think that I really understood how 
desperate fast fashion had become until actually the boys got girlfriends and I went shopping with them and I was for the first time in stores where you know there was a t-shirt that seemed to be lying on the ground for four pounds that seemed to be something that they wanted to buy I hadn't actually seen anything like that before and then when you start watching unboxing videos on on YouTube that in itself is like a whole new craziness that I just you know, watching those, sometimes the girls that are unboxing are saying, sometimes they're unboxing things that they can't remember buying. And like, oh, I've got this big box. And I don't know what's in it. Oh, yeah, I bought some thigh-high boots. <laughs> and it's like, well, they can't have been that cheap. <laughs> but this morning on TV, I, I noticed there was, um, there was an ad for a doll for a, a very, it would be a very small child. And I think it was called the Boxy Doll. Once you've bought the doll, then you can buy little boxes and there are new outfits in the box for the Boxy Doll. Like, have we all gone mad? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it, I mean, as, as you said, it is common sense. I think, you know, and I, but I think we really need to rethink our relationship with our clothes. Um, I think, you know, I mean, even in my lifetime, you know, I grew up with my mum made her own clothes. Mm -hmm. She showed me how to make clothes. And once you understand how you actually make a skirt or, you know, I mean, we used to, everybody used to do it at school, you know, to some extent, we've kind of lost that, I think, in schools. I think, you know, the creative education in schools is is, um, really suffering at the moment. But I think once you understand how to actually make a skirt or, I don't know, how to make an apron or whatever it was that you did for your... uh, Tea cosy. Yeah. That was mine. (laughs) You know, you understand, actually, the stitches, the cutting, the, you know, what goes into making a garment. And then when you're in a shop, and as you say, you know, you're confronted with a £5.99 pair of jeans, it just doesn't add up because you just know how much time you know it takes to make something the materials that go into it the material itself probably costs more than that and I don't want to turn this into a rant against fast fashion I recently actually um, spent some time sorting out my late mother's wardrobe going through all of her clothes and what struck me actually looking through these clothes was there was a mix of things that actually she'd made years and years and years ago there was a mix of things that she'd bought, you know, in Miss Selfridge and Warehouse, um, H&M. There were a few kind of, you know, special, more designery pieces. But everything, she treated each piece of clothing with absolute care, respect. There were mended buttons. Everything was really beautifully, beautifully looked after. You know, she didn't differentiate between the cheap things and the expensive things. I think every purchase that we buy, we have to appreciate that actually these are precious resources. I think recently there was a documentary that I'm sure everybody saw, uh, Stacey Dooley's Fashion's Dirty Little Secret. You know, I think a lot of people were really shocked by what Stacey Dooley uh, was talking about in this documentary, just the amount of water that it takes to grow cotton. And I feel like even when you're buying a cotton t-shirt, you need to realize actually these are really precious resources. It's not for us all to just go around buying 10 of them because we can afford to buy 10 of them because they're so cheap. There's a real lack of repair done on anything, isn't there? So, you know, can you change a zip? Do you think it's too hard to try and change a zip? Or, I mean, I have friends that don't know how to put a button on or turn up a hem. It's actually really easy to do, but that's one of the things that we could start looking at here at Harvey Nicks. I would love to do a kind of little repair studio. I think that there's something like that coming on the cards. We've certainly already, we've got this amazing 
little business called The Restory, where you can bring in shoes and bags and they will basically remake them for you. So they'll take it apart. So I had a pair of boots that I'd had for 27 years, have to admit, and I'd really wrecked them. And I'd put them in the back of a cupboard and thought, those have died, but I, there's so much history there, I can't bear to throw them out. <laughs> and I gave them to the restory, and they remade those boots, and I am now, I'm not wearing them now, but I wear them all the time. We just don't have that really within our culture anymore, do we, that you could actually repair something. I repair a lot of jeans. I actually seem to be the go-to person for all my son's friends to mend rips in jeans. And actually, I, I, it's quite nice with a bit of, you know, cross-stitch. Um, but yes, I think that, you know, we, we're not doing enough of that. And if you do try and repair your clothing rather than just discarding it and buying something new, you actually have more love for that piece of clothing and I think that's the thing that perhaps this generation has missed out on is is saving for something and maybe spending a bit more but then loving it all the more because you have and looking after it more. Yeah I think all of the things that last in time and stay consistent with your style you know I have a friend that says oh that jacket doesn't owe me a penny for how much I got out of it when you invest in things as you say that are worth repairing and worth loving and that last the test of time that's amazing I think it's a little bit important also to think you know we I didn't grow up with Instagram so I was not worried about oh if somebody sees me twice or three times in the same dress it's not there in time photographed and I'm not always trying to live my life showing look at all these great moments look what I'm eating look what I'm wearing look where I'm going everything looks different so the idea of manufacturing your own image in photographs for a wide audience to see isn't the way that we grew up um, which is kind of funny because always we talk about the millennials. Oh, you know, they are more conscious sharing economy. They're not buying anything. They're more spiritual. I just think they have better information today than we had. That's what happens. Every generation has better information and does better than the one before. I don't think the millennials are like they landed from Mars. It's another species kind of a thing. I think I'm a millennial at 50 because I'm doing better myself and I'm being more careful. So I think we're all in that together. But I don't think us older people care about the photographs and that also changes the way you act and treat your clothes because if it's a oh I want a shot today that the younger people are churning and burning through more clothes as I said sort of is natural because you are always shown and stuck kind of with a public image and we didn't have that to deal with. We're going to do some audience questions about what specific things we can do, but I thought I'd just start out by asking each of you, um, what three things could we do as consumers, as employees, to sort of make changes in terms of what fashion we buy? So, Tamsin, shall I start with you? Three things, please. Okay, Uh, my number one uh, would be really to start at Fashion Revolution. Have a look at fashionrevolution.org. And we have a very simple hashtag, which is who made my clothes. Um, And we basically just ask you to take a selfie showing the label of your piece of clothing and just ask that brand who made my clothes and see what comes back. You can do your own bit of detective work. You know, there's so much information out there that you can actually, you know, have a look and see on the website, see what information they're giving, see if you're satisfied with that. My number two would be to shop secondhand. There is a huge, 
huge amount of secondhand clothing out there. You know, find your favourite outlet. I particularly like the uh, branch of trade, my local branch in Dalston. They have the most amazing window displays, which I would say almost as amazing as Harvey Nichols' window displays. (laughs) You know, it's just a really creative way of going shopping. I love the kind of thrill of the hunt for secondhand clothing. And there are amazing things out there. Uh, Number three, I would look at... um, I'm really excited about uh, platforms like Depop at the moment, which seems to me is really disrupting the high street and the way that people are shopping. My 16-year-old daughter seems to only shop now on Depop, so she's buying second-hand clothes on there. It's kind of influencing the way that she herself is shopping. I think it's very clever, the way that they're showing the clothes, the way that everybody has their own shops, their own style. And it's also teaching people to really look after their clothes, because if you look after them, you can sell them on afterwards. So it's a win-win. Thank you, Tamsin. What about you, Cara? I would say buy smart is the first thing. So think about what you're buying, where are you buying it. Every dollar has impact, as we've said. How long are you going to use it? Are you sure you're going to still like it? And so on. Um, And then I would say think about your waste. Once you're done with it, what are you doing with it? Can you keep it in circulation, whether it be, um, as Tamsin said, you know, a Depop, a Real Real? How are you, can you recycle it for yourself? Can you shop your own closet? But if not, then what are you doing to be sure that you're carefully disposing of it and not making more textile and trash waste that are filling up the landfills around the world? I think that's actually, that's a really important point because I think a lot of brands will look at what, how they're sourcing their fabrics, say, and their supply chain, and then they're using fabrics that end of life will end up in the oceans. It seems like a lot of brands don't take responsibility for that. They're saying, well, we did our bit. You know, we made sure that we use this fabric and we use da 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 And then it seems like as soon as the transaction has happened at the till, it's like right now it's your problem. So if it's made of a fabric that's going to end up in the ocean, that's your problem, not their problem, because you bought it. But I think brands are going to have to start taking responsibility for the materials that they use in their clothes. If it can't be recycled, they shouldn't be using it full stop and they shouldn't be using virgin materials when you can use recycled materials. I think how how many of us look at what the fabric composition is of something before we buy it? Oh, that's that's quite good, actually. That's not bad. I hate to say it, but I think the older generation do more. But half the time, you don't even know, you know, if it's if it's this fabric. What does that mean? Does that mean that that does end up in the ocean? What does what is that fabric? I've never heard of it. So um, I think yes, asking brands what fabric they're using and what the end of life is of that fabric, I think, is also. It wasn't actually my third thing, but since we're on this, I think how you care for your garments is quite interesting. Everybody probably heard the Levi's CEO saying, I don't wash my jeans, I freeze them, and all of that kind of a thing. How much we use our washing machines, does it always have to be hot? Can it be warm? Can it be a shorter cycle? All of that kind of caring for your clothes is also quite interesting. They're not as dirty as we think. You know, It used to be you didn't have to wash that or dry clean that quite as quickly. So I'm going to add a fourth. Get social. Push out what you feel. Support the brands that you think are doing good. Ask questions because everybody is listening and everybody is watching. Back to the investor conversation we had in the first podcast. The Bloomberg Investment Terminal scrapes and looks at tweets 
not all tweets, but tweets, Instagram, what's flying on social creates trends. If consumers really want trends of more sustainable products and more responsible products across all brands and they're asking for it, it will be delivered to you. So it's important to also get social and sing out and say that you want it and be clear about what your priority issues are so it's clear for everybody else that is trying to service you. Okay, thank you. So let's go out to the audience. I mean, I wonder, let's start with our youngest member of the audience who's in the back row. Let's start with you. What would you like to ask our two panellists? Is it really important that you target young people? And if so, how are you doing that? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, Uh, you know, you are the future and, you know, we're responsible for looking after this planet that you're going to inherit. So absolutely, if you have a look on fashionrevolution.org, there's actually a whole uh, education uh, resources section on there for primary school, secondary school. You can sign up for the Fashion Revolution MOOC, which is the Mass Online something course, uh, (laughs) which basically is, I think, a four-week course that you can sign up for and find out about clothes. It's a really fun thing to do. It's a very educational thing to do. It'll really arm you for the future. I'm not sure how old you are. How old are you? Twelve. I think, you know, you're entering a really interesting time because you're probably about to transition to adult clothing so you know you are very powerful as a consumer you have a very powerful voice you can really really make change I think it's important to say my work is not really in communicating widely my work is getting big brands and uh, to move in the right direction and create operating efficiencies and so on but you are the one that is going to inherit the world that we are going to give you. When we talked about the definition of sustainability, it's that we shouldn't sacrifice the next generation's opportunities. So you have a very powerful, loud voice because people are listening to you not just as a consumer up and coming, but I think it keeps us all held morally on the values of what we're doing and how we operate. So be powerful and shout from the rooftops because it's the young people that actually can drive the change Mm -hmm. in many ways more than those of us that are already in position to do so. Okay, so the gentleman in the pink shirt, um, let's go back to you. Hi there, yes. um, The the notion of fashion driving influence and cultural change is a really powerful statement. Um, I know, Deborah, in the past you've mentioned about unboxing and uh, stories around influencers not necessarily wanting to post multiple shots of the same image. Well, I'd like to ask the panel and take away from today. I'm from a company that works heavily with influencers, particularly in the luxury space in fashion and beauty. I'd love to have uh, an understanding of what your thoughts are on social media and how we could be working closer with influencers to help drive this conversation forward and make a positive change. Um, There's a really great growing movement called the Alternative. If you have a look, hashtag Alternative. It's basically encouraging influencers to do an alternative to the haul video, which if you're familiar with a haul video, it's basically where where somebody will uh, sit and show you the multitude of things that they have bought that day um, or been sent from uh, whatever brand it was. And, uh, you know, the influencer will sit there and go through it and talk about all these things, most of which they're probably never going to wear and are going to just sit in the wardrobe. And they've become a really dreadful thing. I think they encourage people to just 
consume quite mindlessly and make it almost normal to go and buy bags and bags and bags of clothes that so the alternative is basically is suggesting different ways of sharing the joy of your wardrobe but you know it might be something like you know going back through your wardrobe and picking out some things and rediscovering them customizing them there's one that's a, a fashion swap between two youtubers uh, marzia cutie pie and graveyard girl uh, marzia i think is in italy and graveyard girls in i think california and they basically did a clothes clothes swap where they did an unboxing video but they were unboxing each other's clothes that that's they really were nice. then able that's to uh, wear and enjoy so it continues the idea of community this world does not have to be kind of all grim and serious we want it to be fun and creative. I think we have to be more careful as brands which influencers we work with because as consumers we can all smell bull. <laughs> so I think you know that's just how I certainly feel. If I see somebody who's obviously promoting something and being paid for it, then why would I believe them? So I think the, the right fit influencer for the right brand is is really the future of it. I don't think it's enough anymore just to get a pretty face to say... I buy this. Mm-hmm. It's, it needs to be underpinned with some authenticity. I've got another question. Anyone else got some more questions? Yeah, I just wanted to ask, couldn't they give the second clothes, second-hand clothes away to people that they need instead of, saying, instead of selling them or disposing them away? Couldn't just give it to the third world or people, homeless people, people that then in the States that they can actually buy clothes themselves yeah. instead of just it, selling them second-hand or disposing them, the clothes? I think that's that's a lovely thing to do, although I do know that sometimes sending things to what's known as the third world or you know to disadvantaged communities in other countries doesn't always work because they end up with an awful lot of clothing that isn't really right for them. But I agree that's that's a really good thing to be doing, um, and we should you know really think about that. But a lot of the time, if you send something to to a store that um, that does second hand. Quite often they will take the garments that aren't usable and then they'll take them for recycling. So if it's an all-wool garment, then that can be taken to a wool recycling centre and, and all of that. So I think there's, there's, there's some mileage in that. There is an issue with, I know the East African countries have actually banned clothing imports because all of our excess clothing was actually killing their own industry, their own textile industry. Mm-hmm. Local production. Um, so, you know, we really do have to be thinking, you know, more mindfully about what we're buying because we just can't keep on thinking we can just send it off somewhere. Again, it's that opening the lid and then thinking, oh God, I didn't realise there was that in there. <laughs> the lady in the grey sweater here. Um, so, you've talked a lot about hazardous chemicals and coatings in fabrics. So I just wondered how you kind of dispose of garments with those coatings. Can we recycle them? What can we... Still very difficult. I would like to say there's a solution. It's still very difficult if there's more than one fabric or a plastic coating, even on labels. You know, we're doing fashion labels, and then we put nice shiny plastic and then metal and all of it, and then that can't be recycled. So I wish there was a solution. I think there is a lot to be said about technology catching up with our demands on one side, and we come back to smart design. Are we designing things that can be um, either fully circular or can we extend their life in some way? And I think there's a lot of interesting innovation coming there, 
but it is quite imperfect. Back to the customer, the less you buy of, oh, isn't that fantastic? My shirt doesn't wrinkle because somebody sprayed something all over it because it doesn't wrinkle. Well, somebody sprayed something all over because it doesn't wrinkle. So is that what you want to be buying? So I think brand, same story. Build smart product. Consumers buy things that make sense to you because the back end of circular still is not as mature as we wish it would be. I think if a garment has a hazardous coating on it, it should come with a government health warning. You know, we just it, we shouldn't be buying it. They shouldn't shouldn't be making it. To the start sad with. thing is, in America, things that are waterproof actually come in at a lower duty. So people love to spray lots of chemicals and make everything waterproof because you yeah. can bring it at a lower cost. So back around a little yeah. bit to the government conversation. You know, there are some advantages to doing the wrong thing, which probably should be unstitched at a policy level. And there are alternatives to waterproof coatings that are not toxic. So, you know. Okay, thank you. Is there any more questions? Question really to Cara. Um, there's something called The Atlas of Food, which is a really, really lovely book, which breaks down what is embedded in different items of food. Is there something similar for fashion? Not yet, but uh, it's funny. You know, we call what we do fair fashion. I think there's a lot already being done in fair food, and in what I call fair food. And interestingly, at the back of our supply chain, we meet in the identical place. You know, if you're talking about why organic cotton, why less chemicals? If you're talking about leather and proper gracing, you know, you always run into kind of where two sides of a very similar coin. Uh, I think fashion has a lot to learn from food and it's something we're interested in creating kind of more collisions in the learning. So I'll be interested to look at the atlas of food, as you said. Okay, so one last question then. This lady in the front row. So you've talked about like the CEOs are talking about it, the like influencers are talking about it, we have articles in the Guardian, but how do you have that conversation with like the average person who's just popping to the high street because he needs a shirt or she needs a skirt or like how do you have that conversation with the people who aren't probably as aware or it's not their like priority when they go shopping? So I'm going to say, and it a little bit jumps back to the question of influencers, I think that uh, if you ever watch sort of a cat and mouse cartoon and you see them chasing each other faster and faster and faster, it kind of becomes one blurry circle. I think this is the fantastic thing about responsible fashion now. The investors are asking, and investors are looking at tweets and social media. Consumers are asking. The influencers have to decide morally what is it that they actually want to influence. And then those people have to be chosen by the brands and the retailers to say that's where we are aligning. Can values rule the day? Can we say we are one human family? family on one human on one common planet and we all want to be doing the right thing and the marketers are very much a critical piece in this process a marketer today is not just talking to the consumer a marketer is talking to the investment world so if the investors are watching your tweets you better be sure you're talking about progress and the more that kind of circle blurs, the more the common person on the street is going to say, wow, I'm hearing this from everywhere. And if the influencers are influencing, like somebody just asked me after the, the first podcast, can fashion create a trend towards responsible fashion? It's 80s. Suddenly it's 80s. We're all buying 80s. Why can't we all buy responsible fashion? That's the role for me of the trendsetters, the influencers, the magazines, the journalists. Make it a chic, sexy, cool thing to say, I'm thinking about what I buy. I'm thinking about what I represent. I'm thinking about what I make. So I hope that it becomes natural that everybody is hearing that because that is the trend that only creative industries can drive with the help and power of finance. 
I think that was the most brilliant reply. Thank you. I think that's, that just sums it up, doesn't it, really? So thank you all very much for coming. Um, that brings us to the end of our second podcast. I hope that we can all go away from here today thinking a little bit more about what we're doing. As Vivian Westwood said, buy less, choose well, make it last. Maybe that's really the point. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to see you all. And I think it's just brilliant that you've all come along on a Sunday to just help support this. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. To find out more about our Sunday School events, just go online and search for Harvey Nichols Sunday School. In the meantime, please do subscribe, rate and review. From me, Deborah B, it's thanks for listening. Bye.